Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. I'm glad that you're here. Welcome you once again. We're kicking off a brand new series entitled Greater. That is going to be our theme for 2022. Everybody say greater. All right, a little more energy. Say greater. All right, now you're waking up a little bit. I'm excited about this series because I believe that God has some greater things in store for Bethesda Church, but how many know if he's got great things in store for Bethesda Church, it means that he's got great things in store for all the families that make up Bethesda Church. Uh, And so I'm believing for that, and I'm excited about this first message. Um, I believe that it's going to be a relevant message, an important message right now, because many people uh, in our world are just surviving, and they're not really thriving. Uh, And we understand that Jesus came to give us life and to give us life more abundantly. And just a little warning about today's message, I'm going to raise a problem and I'm not really going to offer a solution. Are y'all ready for that? Y'all are like, no, I, I need a solution, right? I'm going to raise a problem, not really offer a solution, because a lot of life's problems are way too complicated to solve in a half hour on a Sunday. How many would agree with that? There's, they're complex. We're complex. So I'm going to raise a problem, some issues that I believe everyone will identify with, And if you leave today feeling a little bit frustrated, I want you to know I have succeeded. Welcome to Bethesda where we want you to feel good about yourself, right? Uh, So you're going to leave maybe a little frustrated, but it's going to be a good frustration so that we can make some changes. Um, The title of the message today is, When You Don't Like Who You're Becoming. When you don't like who you're becoming. So I'm going to start with a question, a little controversial, especially coming from a pastor. But the question is this, have you ever felt like Christianity wasn't working? Now don't scream at me and say, no, I've never felt that, because you probably have. But most of us have felt at times that maybe Christianity isn't working the way we thought it would. Um... And I'm going to take it a step further and ask it this way. Do you ever feel like the way you are serving Jesus, the way you are following Jesus, and the way you're trying to trust in God isn't working the way you thought it would? And I think it's important in this season to be extremely transparent and honest because people, I get to talk to a lot of people, see a lot of people, uh, people are struggling. Um, The world is different right now than it was two years ago. How many of you understand and agree with the fact that the world is a lot different today than it was two years ago? Right? Like, it's a different world. Emotions are high. I feel like a lot of people are living on the edge, and it just takes a little bit. Uh, you poke the bear just a little bit, and they're, they're flying off the handle. Um, people are different. The world is different. Um, and with that being said, we got to start from a very honest place. Uh, I want you to be honest, because I'm going to be extremely transparent in the message, and I need you to be transparent as well. But the question is, do you ever feel like Christianity is? isn't working. Let me explain this. Have you ever felt burned out 
on the busyness of church. Anybody ever felt burned out on the busyness of church? Maybe it wasn't the busyness of church. Maybe it was the fact that you saw God answering someone else's prayers, but your prayers were going unanswered. You start making comparisons. Well, God, I see you doing it for them. I just don't understand why you're not hearing me, why you're not moving in my life. Maybe for you, it's I'm doing everything right. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to be faithful. I'm trying to be a good Christian. I'm doing so much right. But even in the midst of doing so much right, I feel like everything seems to go wrong. Does it ever feel like Christianity isn't working? It could show up in a number of ways in a person's life. It could be uh, a young boy who grows up in the church, kind of like myself. They grow up in the church with their family, and they do the churchy stuff. They go to vacation Bible school. They draw pictures of David defeating Goliath. They're in the youth group. They even get their first kiss for the glory of God in the back of the church van. Come on, y'all. Y'all here? That wasn't me, but I may know a few people. That's their story. Um, and they have their first kiss on the church van and um, all of that. And, and they're trying to do right. They're part of church. They're part of youth group. But when they go home, they see their parents living a life that is inconsistent with the message they hear in church. They see hypocrisy. They see sin. Their parents fight all the time, which prompts them you know, uh, being a young person to pray for mom and dad. And God, would you touch my parents? Would you heal their marriage? Would you restore the love that they had for one another? And, and in, in the midst of all the praying, the parents still end up in divorce. And then they begin to wonder, does God hear my prayer? Does God care? Does this Christianity thing even work? Maybe it's not a young boy in that scenario, but maybe a couple who they are dating, and they even wait before mating, if you know what I mean. And they, they don't uh, seal the deal. They wait for marriage because they want to honor God, and they, they serve the local church. They attend connect groups. They serve on the dream team. They wear Bethesda gear. They, they do all the things, but maybe one of them loses a job. Maybe they lose a child. And the pain and the trauma of what they go through, they end up losing their faith and their marriage. And they begin asking, where is God? Does God care? Now, for a lot of you, let's be honest, it, maybe it's not that dramatic. Those are dramatic scenarios. But maybe you are here today and you're here in church and you love God and you attend the groups and you wear the Bethesda gear and you serve and you do all the things. You listen to K-Love Radio. You, you've got uh, K-Love K on. You've got a Bible reading plan that you're on. Maybe you even got a streak. You've, you've read the Bible seven days in a row. You've got all of these things. You've got a, a nice house, a nice marriage. You, your car runs. It got you here. And your kids are good. But the truth is, if you were being really, really honest today, you would say, I'm just not happy. I'm not fulfilled. I feel like there has to be more. Maybe you're even here and you're questioning, does Christianity really work? Everyone say greater. Now say it with a little more passion. Say greater. I set this up this way because if you're here or watching online, and you're hurting, overwhelmed, frustrated, disappointed, struggling in your faith, any of those things, I want you to hear the words of Jesus in John's gospel, chapter number 14. 
It says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My, my father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. And Thomas is like, no, we don't. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, he said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, this is very important that you get the gist of this message today because it's going to be totally different than what you were expecting. But I want everybody to say the way. Okay, this is so important because what I'm dealing with today is, is we're talking about greater, but today we are talking about the way. Jesus answered Thomas, and he said, I am the way. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I, I think what God wants us to get today and what he wants us to leave here understanding is that there is a better way and there is a greater way to do this thing uh, that we call Christianity, a greater way. How many of you would agree that the way you do something matters? Not just the way you do something, but the way you say something matters. The tone in which you say it matters. Uh, for, for example, you can tell the truth to someone, but you can do it in a very ineffective way. Uh, kind of like, y'all ever seen the mean Christians? I know it's an oxymoron, like mean Christian. How does that work? But the mean Christian's like, God loves you, you silly sinner. Like, okay, we get it. God loves everybody. But how many, that's not effective. It's not, it's not an effective way to communicate the truth. The way matters. Tell somebody close to you, tell them the way matters. The way matters. Uh, if you're not married yet, you will learn that. The way matters. The way you say something matters. If you're not married, listen, you're going to learn this one day. Because there's one way you could say, are you wearing that? Like, yeah, that's awesome. Or, are you wearing that? How many one way leads to, but the other way leads to, right? The way matters. The way matters. The way we do things matter. The way we say things matters. And so we got to say it the right way. As Christians, I don't know if you've noticed this, but generally when we think of the way, the truth, and the life, we generally focus on the truth. And that's great. Truth is important. After all, Jesus said that you'll know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So the truth is important. A lot of preachers focus on the truth. We're, we're, we're diligent to give people truth. And I, I think it's important that we tell people the truth. But I believe that just as it's important to tell people the truth, we have to understand that living the way Jesus lived is just as important as, no, as knowing what Jesus said. I think the breakdown for a lot of people that don't come to church is because they hear us say the truth, but they watch us live in a different way. The way matters. The way matters. Living the way Jesus lived is a reflection of the, of the truth Jesus taught. We often talk about the truth of what he said, but often overlook the way he lived. 
a little bit of Bible trivia. How, and you don't have to sh- shout the answer, but how many of you know what the early Christians, the first century Christians, were, were called? Does anybody know what the first followers of Jesus were called? If you, anybody? PK knows. They were called, they were not called Christians. They were not called religious people. They were not called holy rollers. They were not called Bible thumpers. They were called people of the way. Everybody say the way. They were called people of the way. And this is important. The spirit-filled, Jesus-loving, demon-crushing, self-sacrificing first-century Christians were called the people of the way. There is a greater way. And fascinating to me is that when you look at the way they lived, their goal wasn't just right theology or strong morality. And I, I, I can make an argument for the importance of strong uh, morality and right theology. I believe in all of those things, but that was not their goal. Their goal was to live and love the same way Jesus lived and loved. I need somebody to give him praise if you think it's important to live and love the way, the way Jesus lived and loved totally different. A lot of us have gotten good at saying what Jesus said. We just don't live the way Jesus lived. It's quiet, but I'm in the right place. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four gospels, don't just look at the truth that Jesus taught, but look at the way he lived and then compare it to the way most of us live. I think what you'll find is a very, very big difference in the way he lived versus the way we live. Think about the way Jesus interacted with people. When Jesus interacted with people, he was full of joy. We interact with people, and we are filled with stress and anxiety. All of his conversations were motivated by joy and by peace and by love. And listen, he was present in the moment, not just physically, he was present mentally. But many of us, we're present a lot of places physically, but our mind is not even there. We're present physically, but not mentally. When he interacted with people, he was full of joy. Most of us have stress and anxiety You didn't see him going around telling people the the economy is falling apart. I don't know what we're going to do. You didn't see Jesus operating in worry. As a matter of fact, he told you and I don't worry at all about tomorrow because God is already in your tomorrow. He's already there. He said, take no thought of tomorrow. Don't be anxious for, for anything. And a lot of us, we spend our time freaking out about tomorrow. Some have said that this generation is the most anxious generation in the history of the world. Our generation, the most anxious. How many know there's a greater way? There's a greater way to do this. Jesus, as he walked along, when he saw someone in need, he would stop, spend time with them, and pray with them. I don't know about you, but a lot of times... When I run into people, I, it's like quick, and I'm, in my mind, I'm moving to two, three, four, five things down the list. Yet he would take the time to be present with them. And at the same time, he never lost that intimate communication with the Father. Many of us, if we were being honest today, 
we would probably say that we can't pray for three minutes without being interrupted by a text message or what we're going to eat for our next meal. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? Now, some of you, you just need to go ahead, sit there, polish your, your halo, look spiritual. All right, pretend to be holy. But I do want to talk to the real people today. Imagine if Jesus did life like a lot of us. Imagine if he walked around worried, stressed out, anxious, depressed, and he told his disciples, like, hey, Mark, Luke, I'm so tired of wearing these sandals. My feet keep getting dirty. I'm, I'm worn out from traveling from town to town. I'm so exhausted with having to heal everybody. I'm just, if, if only I could have a pair of Yeezys. Could you see Jesus trolling through Instagram and seeing John the Baptist has more followers and complaining? He's not even the son of God, and he has more followers than I do. He's not worthy to untie my Yeezys, right? Like, what if Jesus, you, you can't even get your mind to go there. Some of the things we get hung up on, likes and how many followers other people have and all the things that we think matter, yet Jesus was always present, always preferring others over himself. He would spend long amounts of time with people having meals. And, and I, I think about the long meals he would have, and my lunch is delivered sometimes, and I scarf it down in three minutes because i got to get to the next thing. I'm living in rush, 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 go, 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 faster, 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 and when when I read about Jesus, he never hurried anywhere. Never. You never read about Jesus. He scurried from one town to the next. And we got to get out of here, fellas. Close down the worship experience. Revival's over next town. He never operated in hurry. He's not just the truth and the life, but he is the way. Don't miss that. The first century Christians were focused on living and loving the way Jesus lived in love. When you think about how he would slow down, and the scripture says that he walked everywhere he went. And some of you are like, well, he didn't have a horse or a car. But you get the indication reading the gospels that he was never in a hurry. Some of us, we live in a hurry. Even our kids get the leftovers. We're just checking a box to move on to the next thing, and even the people we love the most don't get the best of us because we're in such a hurry. A hurry to do what? And, and what I've noticed is many times we're in a hurry. And maybe I'll just speak for myself. I'm in a hurry, and while I'm in a hurry, I'm becoming a person I don't even like. Can anybody relate to what I just said? I'm in a hurry becoming someone I don't even want to be. Always rushed, always anxious, always pushing it, always short with people. More, faster, go. Several nights ago, Karen and I were sitting on the couch, and it was obviously after our six-year-old went to bed because it's hard to have a conversation until she passes out. Y'all know what I'm saying? We're sitting there having a conversation, and Karen, is, she's scrolling through some pictures. And she said, look at this. And she held up this picture, if y'all throw it up. Yeah, it's funny, right? Funny picture. That, that picture was actually taken in 2012, nine years ago. Now, I want to say something before you laugh, 
All right, just slow down before you laugh. I was a lot lighter in that picture. Nobody's laughing. Good. I was a lot lighter, and I don't mean physically. I actually weigh less now than I did then. But when she showed me this picture, I remember, I remember saying to Pastor Karen, I said, we looked like we were having fun. It looked like we were not carrying the weight of the world. And as I evaluated this picture, I began to think about, I was a whole lot more fun then. I was lighter in my soul then. I, there was just a lot about that picture, and I began to think about sometimes what we end up carrying over time. And all the balls we're trying to juggle, and life gets heavy. And I, I looked at that, and I was like, I looked happier. I looked more content. I looked more full of peace. I, I used to be fun. I used to be relaxed, all these things. But now we're oftentimes in a rush to become a person we don't even like. And that's not something I just noticed when she showed me the picture the other night. Y'all can remove that picture. Thank you. It's not just something I noticed. This is something that I have actually been on a, a personal journey for three or four years of making sure that I don't become heavy in my soul. Making sure that I'm not trying to carry too much. And I know when I'm carrying too much, I know the signs that point me to unhealth because my primary role is, is God and caring for his church. And, and a lot of times what I've noticed for me, I'm not saying for you, but for me, in doing the work of God, sometimes it starts destroying the work of God in me. For you, it may not be church work or ministry, but is your schedule destroying the work of God in you? Is the fears and insecurities and the doubts that you have, are the things that you're trying to juggle, is it destroying or hurting the work of God in you? As I began to see how many times carrying these, all these different things can destroy the work of God in me, I had to make some changes. And when you start making changes, how many of you know when you start making the right kind of changes, your flesh will push back? Especially if your life is completely out of order and you've got chaos all around and you feel like, I can't even sleep tonight because if I go to bed and sleep six hours, then this won't get done and that won't get done. And, and your whole next three days is completely planned out and you wonder when you're going to be able to take a deep breath and you start setting order to that. Your flesh is going to push back and say, no, you got to push harder. you got to grind it out. you got to get ahead. This is how you get things done. This is how you acquire things. This is how you do it. And in the midst of all of that, I want to read an Old Testament verse that applies to us today from Proverbs 14 and 12. It says, there is a way. Everybody say, a way. There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. It appears, there's a way that appears right. I, I got to get this done. This is my to-do list. I've got to accomplish all these things. And I said in the first service, some of you, the reason you're stressed out, it isn't because you're, you're just doing what God told you to do. The truth is, you're doing about 19 things God never told you to do. And then you spend time complaining to God about the 19 things you chose to do. Oh, yeah, I'm about to get bold here. And you want to complain to everybody, well, if you knew my schedule, if you knew what I was carrying, if you knew, how much of that did God ask you to carry and how much of that you took on through your own selfishness and pride? <laughs> Golf claps. I get it. I get it. I, this, this is where we live. 
There's a way that appears to be right, but the end leads to death. And so a lot of us, if we're being honest, the way we're doing life is destroying the work of God in us. It's hurting what God is trying to do in us. And so Jesus comes along for the people who are tired, frustrated, worn out, tired of doing life the way they've been doing it. In Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30, he said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. you got to see the progression in this. Jesus said, if you're tired, worn out, frustrated, overwhelmed, I want you to come to me and I'll give you rest. Then he says, it's where it gets weird, he says, take my yoke. And if you don't know what a yoke is, if you guys would throw that next picture up, this is a yoke. He said, I want you to take my yoke, all right, take it, Upon you and learn from me. A yoke was a wooden cross piece that would join two animals together so that they could work simultaneously and accomplish more work. And when the two animals were joined, watch this, they had to work at the same pace. All right, they, they could not, one of the animals couldn't decide, I'm going ahead of you or I'm staying behind you. They had to work in conjunction with one another at the same pace. And Jesus said, come to me, and I'm going to give you rest, but here's how I'm going to do it. I'm going to give you a work tool. If you're exhausted, I want to put a work tool around your neck. Now, maybe that's not weird for you. It's weird for me. If I'm exhausted, I don't want a work tool on my neck. I want a massage. I want somebody to rub my feet. I want a bubble bath. I want pa Pastor Karen to hold me. Come on now. I, I, need, I need a vacation. There's a lot of things I need, but I don't need a work tool on my neck. And what's interesting about the yoke is there was no single yoke. Anytime there was a yoke, it joined two animals together. And what Jesus was doing and saying is if you're worn out, throw that picture back up. If you're worn out, if you're tired, if you're stressed, if you're anxious, listen, come to me and I'll give you, you rest, but I want you to take my yoke. Jesus is saying, I want you to yoke your life with mine. And I want your life to move at my pace. Watch this. When you're yoked with Jesus, you can't get ahead of God and you can't fall behind what God is doing. The problem many of us have is the pace of our lives because we're yoked to relationships we don't need, yoked to schedules we could never keep, and yoked to all kinds of things that drag us or pull us back. And Jesus is saying, if you would just get linked up with me and yoked with me, how many of God's plans are not going to stress you out and keep you up all night? God will say, go on and get some sleep. We got this. I need somebody to give God praise right now. If you believe as we yoke up with Jesus, he can bring order to our lives. This is so, so powerful, but we miss it. I want to show you a greater way is what Jesus is saying. Not just join to your schedule or religion, but join to me. Not just to believe my truth, which I hope everyone believes the truth of Jesus, but also to live the way Jesus lived. Now, some of you are going to push back a little and say, well, you know, 
Pastor, I, I get it, but Jesus, you know, he, he wasn't a single mom working two jobs. And Jesus didn't have student loan debt. And Jesus didn't work for my boss, Satan in the flesh. And all that's fair. I, I get it. Honestly, it's all fair. But Jesus still had a pretty big assignment. Like, be perfect and save the world. How I many? that's a big deal. Be perfect and save the world, Jesus. Not, not a big assignment, little assignment. I think we can learn from him. Called by God to be without sin. Watch this. We read over that and we think just because he was the son of God, he couldn't sin. He was as human as you are and had to be perfect. Have you tried to be perfect for a day? Some of you are like, I I can't be perfect for a minute, Pastor. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and yet he loved freely, disconnected from the crowds when necessary to be alone and intimate with God. Yet at the same time, we'd see him having long meals with, and deep conversations with people. If you ever wake up and think there's got to be a better way or a greater way, I can tell you there is. And it's not just the truth of Jesus, but it's the truth expressed in the way Jesus lived. I don't want to give you a solution today as the worship team comes back to help me wind this down. I'm not going to give you a solution. In fact, I, I actually, and I know this is kind of like odd, but I kind of want you to sit in frustration long enough to do something about it. I had a couple of people stop me in the mid-building after the 9 o'clock service and say, there was a point there I wanted to come up and punch you. But in tears in their eyes, they, they thanked me for this word because they realized the areas where they lacked order and pace and that there is a greater way to do this. Today, I want you to take the time to look at who you're becoming. Who you're becoming. And some of us, if we're being honest, we're on a path to becoming someone we don't like. And today is God's grace saying, hey, I'm going to give you a new direction. 2022, uh, let's, let's, let's be honest. Some of the problems we're talking about this year are the same problems we were talking about last year, the same problems we were talking about two years ago, same problems we were talking about five years ago. The problem is, is that we don't ever do it God's way. If we could do it God's way, then anybody ever get frustrated talking about the same problems? When I have to talk about the same problems over and over, eventually I shut down and don't communicate anymore because I can't take it. I have learned, though, some people like being miserable. I don't want to be miserable. I don't want you to be miserable. I want us to be yoked with Jesus to such a degree in 2022 that anxiety is removed, depression is removed, disappointment is, doesn't mean that we don't ever have a season of being disappointed, but how many of you, there's a difference in having a season of that than living there for the rest of your, all the days of my life. I'm anxious, stressed out, overwhelmed, hurt. Like, at some point, there's, we have to understand there is a greater way. And so this message is for those that would say, I'm sick of the pace, I'm sick of the stress, sick of the anxiety, the fear. I'm sick of being exhausted. I'm sick of being sick about being exhausted. I'm sick of going back and making the same promises over and over that I continue to break. I'm sick of the way I'm doing life. 
I told you if you were frustrated by the end of the message, I've succeeded. Anybody a little bit frustrated? Maybe a little? Most of us, we are rushed. We're stressed. We're overwhelmed. A lot of Christians I know are overcome with temptation. They don't feel spiritually alive. They feel spiritually dry and dull. But if we're going to have a greater year, then we got to learn how to enjoy God's presence. we got to learn. Listen, Chair, I'm going to say something a little old school. we got to learn again how to host the presence of God. We want to host people well. But at the end of the day, if we host people well, but we don't host, host the Holy Spirit well, what do we really want? Because at the end of the day, the Holy Spirit is the one who changes people. Most people are unfocused, they're preoccupied, they're distracted by all kinds of stupid stuff. I'm going to give you some stats in this series about how many times you pick your phone up a day. You're going to get more frustrated as this series goes on. For one thing, it's dirty to handle that thing so much. I think we need to hand out some Lysol wipes. That, that would solve it. Let's clean the phones, right? So if you're tired of the grind, tired of the stress, maybe miserable, maybe afraid, there is a greater way. His name is Jesus. He is the way. Not just the truth and the life. He is the way, the truth and the life. There is a better way. There is a greater way. His name is Jesus. Psalm 23 says, The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. I want you to look at that second verse. I want to put a little emphasis on this. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You're either going to choose to lie down or he will make you. And we're so stubborn that a lot of times we don't choose to lie down and choose to pace our lives and yoke our lives with him and order our lives. So he has to make us lie down. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. Another verse from Psalm 46 and 10. I want you to know the Bible says, never says, be in a hurry and know that I'm God. Or be busy and know that I'm God. But the Bible does say in Psalm chapter 46 verse 10, it says, be still and know that I am God. Be still and know. Doing the work of God and, and just doing your life, whether that be working a job and serving here in the church, doing life should not be done at a level that it's destroying the work of God in you. There's a greater way. So the invitation is going to be really simple as you stand to your feet today. It's going to be really simple. What did Jesus say in Matthew 11? He said, if you're tired, worn out, stressed out, all this stuff, he said, come to me. So the invitation today is come to Jesus. As you bow your heads and close your eyes and no one look around, I want to speak for, to three different groups of people today. First group I want to speak to are those that are, you know you're not right with God. You know that you need to surrender your life to Jesus. You need to make some things right with God. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you're watching online, you can be a part of this too. For those in-house, you say, you know, that, that's me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. I want to make things right. I want to surrender my life to him. If that is you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and say, Pastor, that's me. Anyone at all. You say, that's me today. Thank you for this hand over here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? 
Anyone else? Those watching online, you can let the chat hosts know that you want to be a part of this prayer. It's real simple. We'll give you some words that will help you express what God is doing in your heart. But I want every voice lifted together, if you would. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you, Jesus, come into my heart. Change me and save me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can you give all those making that decision right now just a big God bless you? So excited for you as you begin this new journey, new relationship with Christ. If you made that decision and you're in-house, we have a connect card in the seat back in front of you we talked about earlier. If you would take a minute to let us know who you are, that you made that decision, you can take it to the back of the auditorium, my left, your right. We got a table set up there. We got a gift we would like to put in your hand. Now, the second two groups of people, I'm going to talk to you at the same time as the prayer team and staff, if you would go ahead and get in place. We'll pick one of these cards up because some of you um, were not here and you want to be a part of it now. And we mentioned this earlier. If you didn't take a time, the time to fill out this covenant, to commit, what you're committing to with this is 10 days starting today of prayer and fasting along with 15 minutes of, of prayer with the fasting and 15 minutes of Bible reading that we've provided. It'll take you about 15 minutes to look up the 10 scriptures. We have a purpose in why we do things the way we do. We want to help you spend time with God. And so if you didn't get a chance to do this last week and you want to do it this week, during this last song, I want you to bring it forward. Just lay it on the altar. Uh, we're going to put our faith with yours, and over the next 10 days, we're really going to pray and believe God to do some significant things in our heart. The other thing I want to do is a lot of times during this altar time, um, we kind of look at this as if I'm sick, I'll go and get a prayer partner. If I need God to move, you know, you have a handful of people that come for prayer and we, we're always going to provide that. But what God is showing me and Pastor Karen is that a lot of times we sit in our seats and our heart is saying yes to like the word and what God is doing. But how many know we need that action step? We need an action step. We need to, at that moment where we say, you know what, I'm not just going to sit there and nod and say amen and clap a couple times, but I'm, I'm going to activate my faith. I, I know there's a greater way. I may not like the person I'm becoming, so today I'm going to stop that direction and I'm going to move in a new direction. And so what I would like for us to do is that as a church family, we did this at nine, I want everybody who says yes to 2022 being a greater year and we, we're going to make sure that we prioritize the right things, that during this last song that we all come forward and let's spend some time praying and worshiping together as an action step. Is that all right with everybody? You guys can come on forward as the worship team comes. As you come, go ahead and bring a praise with you. Maybe bring a shout or a hand clap. Come on, church. Make a little noise this morning. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.